Beyond Synth, Season 7, Sequence Commencing in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Well, hey there. Welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 204. And we are winding down our summer synthwave celebration series. Today, I'll be chatting with Robots with Ray Guns, Grooveworthy, who I haven't talked to in since season one. So what's that, like six and a half years? And, uh, and I'll be talking to Kid Tacken. Fuck. And then I'll be talking to Kid Casio. So uh, that's going to be a fun show. We are going to listen to the remaining listener calls. I've got a few more to listen to, and we got some cool tracks to play. And that's what we are going to do today. And I've just started scheduling new interviews for the show. Now that the celebration is complete, we've talked about Synthwave, we've talked about how the show has changed. There was a few other people I wanted to talk to, but then I thought, you know, some of them have been so long that uh, I don't mind just doing another full episode with them and stuff, so we can look forward to some of those uh, later on. And that's all I have to say about that, so let's listen to some music. This is one from an artist called Braun, and that's B-Bullet, R-Bullet, A-Bullet, U-Bullet, N. Like bullet points, you know, little circles. I didn't want to say hyphen because that's not what it is. Uh, Braun, this is from the album Silent Science. I think I got messaged by the label like years ago. And I've just been trying to clean out my old emails and messages. And uh, and this album is actually really cool. And I dig this track. This is Lose It All by Braun. Oh, it's 
And that was Braun with the track Lose It All from the album Silent Science. And that was brought to you by my awesome... uh, Well, we got some PayPals here. So I just want to let you all know that Anselmo Incorporated says, Haha, I've upgraded my donation yet again. You missed my last donation for Donation of the Beast because I donated 666 American dollars. Does the Donation of the Beast only work with the evil Canadian dollar? Anyhow, give me a glorious Mega Man 6 song, you sexy Canadian bastard. Your voice makes my panties wet and I'm not wearing any panties. Well, that's cool, man. Well, uh, here, how about a little Mega Man song for you? Thanks for upgrading your support, man. And you know what? I guess we're not done hearing from uh, Anselmo because he also called in, so uh, let's listen to that. Hey there, Mr. Andy Lass. Mr. Andy Lass, who's got the voice? He's got the voice. My name is Anthony S. Anselmo, also known as Iron High 1975, also known as Anselmo Incorporated. The most agonizing question I want to know after listening to you for about two years now. Do you talk that way normally when you're at home? I mean, are you at like the dinner table and go, honey, would you please pass the salt? Thanks, honey. You might get lucky tonight because you're a cool gal. Another question I have for you listening to you for two years is what do, what is your full-time job? Is this, are you like a at-home dad? What What is your full-time gig? Is this your full-time gig? And if so, that's great. But it's like, are you like a secret agent? Are you Batman? Are you a tax reporter? I mean, what, what do you do with your normal daily life? Anyhow, really enjoy the uh, Star Trek segments you did with Florence. I think you should do more of those. Really appreciated the fact that you actually got to see Star Trek and that you actually took the effort to sort of watch additional episodes to get the context of things because I think that's really important. That being said, continue with the great work, sir. I really appreciate your show. So, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Alright, Mr. Anselmo. Well, uh, no. I, I mean, my voice sounds like this because of the way it's amplified through the microphone. In real life, I don't sound like this. I wish I did. It'd be awesome. This is what I sound like when I talk. Ready? So I'm going to move back from the microphone a bit. Hey, man, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, man. Hey. Yeah, you like that stuff? Hey, I got... So- I, hey, no, I got a ton of Coke. Oh, man, dude. I got piles of it. And I'll sell it to you for thirteen five a key. All right? So that's this is what I sound like. And then when I move close to the microphone, I sound more like this. And then I will go, hello. I like to talk into the microphone. Now, as for telling my wife to pass the salt, you're assuming that we actually eat dinner at the table. We're not a very classy family. We're sort of all in front of our devices, just uh, drinking soup straight out of the bowl. And as for my full-time gig, I mean, it is technically the podcast now, although for many years I've uh, edited videos, kind of corporate-style videos for a few people. Um, I work for a few specific companies that... You know, I'm not proud of any of the stuff I did. It was mostly corporate kind of things or talking heads. I did videos for, like, the Ministry of Education and stuff. And um, uh, I did that for a few years where I was basically just video editing. And I used to do, like, DVD authoring. So I'd make custom DVD menus and stuff like that for people. And now those are obsolete. A lot of those skills are useless. But, yeah, it's always been in sort of the creative field. So it's always been either editing or videography or sometimes I've got friends who have videography companies who might go like hey you want to like run a camera for a night or something and I'll I'll do that 
Um, and that's pretty much it. But honestly, for the past few years, I've pretty much just been focusing on the podcast. And as the Patreon and PayPal support grows, it allows me to uh, put more of my time into just the podcast, which is what I want to do. And I'm glad you enjoyed uh, the Star Trek segments with Florence. Uh, Maybe we'll do some more of those in the future. I don't know. We'll see. I'll probably watch some more. I don't know if I'll do another segment about it. But um, anyway, so that's, uh, yeah, those are your answers, asshole. All right, let's listen to another track. Here's one from Sour Patch Boys. Uh, This one is called Slow Motion. It is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. We got a new... (laughs) We have <laughs> we have a new donor this week, a new ten dollar donor. So welcome to the Patreon family. <laughs> Pump action foreskin. <laughs> Fuck sakes! All right, let's listen to this song. Thank you for your support. <laughs> All right, this is Sour Patch Boys with Slow Motion.
And that was Slow Motion by Sour Patch Boys. And that was brought to you by my awesome PayPals. We have a new PayPal uh, this week. Jeffrey Sakowski. Jeffrey Sakowski. Hey, Jeffrey, you're a cool guy. Thank you for becoming a PayPal. If you want to know what the difference is, for people who don't uh, want to use Patreon, uh, there is a PayPal button on the Beyond Synth website, so you can also donate via PayPal. Is there such thing... I see sometimes people post links to paypal.me, like on their YouTube pages and stuff. I believe my PayPal links to that, so maybe I should put that link up for people, too. Uh, if they want to donate to the show, that is. Not everybody wants to do that, because this show is stupid and now let us go listen to another listener call on the answering machine hi i'm holly i'm chris from the french synthwave podcast the synth squad we really want to say thank you to beyonce and andy last thank you so much for what you're doing for the synthwave scene Thank you for your podcast because we created the synth squad podcast listening to your show we wanted to make a fun French Beyoncé because your show is the best and we took inspiration from the best. And finally, thank you for your crazy love. We hope to meet you one day and to have your lovely voice on our show. We, we love, love you. you. Bye. Bye. Oh, well, thank you, Chris and Holly from the Synth Squad. So that's cool. I like the way he says laugh. He said loaf like this. <laughs> I like your loaf. Um, yeah, uh, Chris is a cool guy. They host basically like a French synth wave show. So if you are French and you want to listen to a show where French people talk about synth wave, then you should check out the Synth Squad. And uh, I know Chris has always been a big supporter of Beyond Synth. He's always uh, retweeting it and sharing the show. So thanks, dude. You are a cool guy. And Holly, you are a cool gal. Thank you for your kind words. That's very uh, nice of you. And I also appreciate the brevity of your message. So thanks, guys. Bon travail. <laughs> J'aime beaucoup le synth squad. Parce que le synth wave est bon. No, le synth wave... Would you say that? Le synth wave est bon? Est bon? No. Le synth wave... Chanson Jambok. Okay, never mind. I'm done. All right, uh, let's go back to the answering machine. Hey, Andy, this is Joe from over at the Ozone Nightmare, and I am recording this to say congratulations on hitting 200 episodes. The show has really just gotten better over time, and uh, it's fantastic that you've hit 200. It doesn't seem like it took that long to get from 100 to 200. It goes quick. Once you start hitting triple digits, it really does start moving along. Once you find the rhythm of the show, kind of get a working flow down, it goes quick. Uh, so, anyway, uh, I wanted to... I don't know if anybody's ever presented this particular scenario before, if you've discussed this before. If so, sorry, I'm repeating it. But let's say you had your choice of any three people to interview who are not involved in the music scene, because that's kind of what you do. So let's go outside that a bit. You can pick three people. Let's make them all living people. I, that living or dead thing just takes too much effort anybody alive you could have any three people on your show to interview doesn't matter who they are who would they be and why all right man congrats on 200 later well thanks joe i know uh keeping a message uh down to one minute is a difficult task for you so i'm proud of you my friend i'm gonna play some applause noise yeah! you see because joe likes to talk 
Uh, who are three people that I would like to interview who are alive? Again, I don't want to fucking bore everybody with my Doctor Who stuff, but uh, Tom Baker, who plays the fourth Doctor, he's still alive. He's my favorite Doctor. He was the one with the curly hair and the scarf from the 70s, and uh, he's still around, and he's a very eccentric dude. I always like seeing him in interviews and stuff, and so I would like to talk to him because I just feel like it would be a weird conversation. This question's tricky because sometimes it's hard for me to say do I want to interview this person because they will impart some useful information or do I just want to meet this person? Because I'd love to talk to David Lynch. The other day, Eraserhead was on TV. I hadn't seen it in such a long time. Honestly, I think since college. And uh, so I was watching it again. It was at the beginning. And that movie is fucking hilarious. Like... I know people have different reactions to David Lynch, but I find his movies really funny. And Eraserhead, to me, is funny as hell. Like, it's just so bizarre to the point where it's just hilarious to me. That fucking dinner table scene where the... Eraserhead's girlfriend, uh, his parents, you know, and the dad comes out and he's like, we got these little chickens, man-made, little buggers. And like, he makes <laughs> Razorheads like, I, I keep calling him Razorhead. is like cutting into the little chicken, but it's like puppeted. So its legs are moving around while he's cutting into it. And then like goo just starts shooting out while the mom is sitting across the table going like, like with her tongue out. Like it's just so fucking stupid, but awesome. My main question to David Lynch, honestly, is just like, do you know you're being funny? Like, do you know that that scene is hilarious or are you just so weird that to you this is just like an art film or do you understand that it's really funny? Because to me it is. Also those scenes in Twin Peaks The Returns like where there'd be like a five minute scene of like a guy painting shovels or a guy brooming a room or something and it would just keep going and I would just start laughing because I'm like, this is absurd. Like, why are we still watching this? Like, anyway... So, yeah, maybe David Lynch, I'll throw him on there. And uh, maybe just Al Pacino, just because I just want to hang out with him. I honestly don't even think I would ask questions. I would just tell him how great Scarface is over and over again. Like, that's all I would talk about. So, I guess I'm bending your question a little in that I just kind of want to meet these people. I don't think I have anything to ask Al Pacino. I just want to sit there and just remind him how awesome Scarface is. Uh, yeah, okay, so look, let's listen to another track and then maybe we will uh, make a telephone call. So look, Betamax, he was doing a show in San Francisco and some punk broke into his window and stole his fucking bag. I guess he just left his car for like a few minutes to run into the venue to get paid and then when he came back out his windows were smashed and someone stole his bag and then had his uh, laptop and some other stuff in there. So he set up a GoFundMe and uh, you should go check that out if you want to support Betamax and I figured we would listen to a Betamax song right now. And I dedicate this to the scumbags of San Francisco. Quit breaking windows you fucks. It turns out there's this whole law in California that says, like, it's okay to... Well, we'll talk about it in a second. Anyways, look, here is Betamax with the track Dreamer featuring Samantha Rios. Does she still call herself Rat Rios or is she just Samantha Rios now? Anyway, it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, the King of the Pattersons, Chris Dance. The Prince of the Pattersons, Mike Shima. And William Stewart with the 6969. And now let's listen to this awesome song. This is Betamax featuring Samantha Rios. This is Dreamer.
And that was Dreamer by Betamax from the album Plug and Play. I just talked to Betamax a few weeks ago on the show if you want to go back and listen to that. And if you want to help him out, you can go to the GoFundMe. And then some fuckhead on Twitter started getting mad at me, and he's not even on my friends. What the fuck is wrong with Twitter? Jesus Christ. Like, I didn't even... Okay, when someone is not on your friends list, like they're not following you and you're not following them and they join the conversation, who the fuck are these people? Why? Like, literally, there's some dude out there who thinks he's, like, fucking Batman of the Internet who's campaigning against GoFundMes he doesn't think are just. Like, that's... Fuck sakes, man. Holy smokes. Like, here's the thing. Here's here's some advice for you people out there. If you don't like a GoFundMe, you don't have to fucking fund it, you dummy. Jesus. But my thing is, is just when people come out of nowhere... Like, I get it if you follow them, and they're kind of like, hey, you know, it always happens when you talk about politics, right? You know, like, which is why I don't. You know, your followers might be like, oh, you think that, huh? Well, what about fucking when the this team did that thing, huh? You didn't like it then. Whatever. Uh, that's my impersonation of a uh, political conversation. But when they come out of nowhere, I'm like, does this guy, did he go into Twitter and search for this? Like, where, who are you? Although I gotta say, there have been some uh, uh, funny responses. I just don't... I feel like sometimes there's... Well, sometimes. It feels like that's Twitter all the time. It's like people are just upset about nothing. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, there's real problems in the world. Like, someone you don't know having a GoFundMe, which is going to be probably donated to entirely by people who like his music, has nothing to do with you. Like, at all. Like, it's just so weird to insert yourself into a conversation like that. I just, yeah. Anyway, look, that song was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Jacob Wick with the 4488 and City Hunter with the 42. And in the 2666 Club, there's Hugh Hefner and Lucas Ceballos. You guys are all awesome. So how about this? I feel like I just talked for too long, though. Okay, here's what we'll do. Let's listen to one more song, and then I will give Robots with Ray Guns a call. So, uh, this is a track by an outfit called Nature of Wires, with the track Madam Serena, and uh, let's do it up. Well, it's the spark in our eyes.
right, and that was Nature of Wires with the track Madam Serena, and that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. There's Clint Dowling, Restless Nights, Honeybeard, and Tim Carlton. And if you want to support the show like those awesome people, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Or you can go to beyondsynth.com and click on the donate button. And now, let's make a little call to Robots with Ray Guns. Hello? Hey, man, is this Robots with Ray Guns? Yeah, it is. Hey, how's it going, dude? Good, how you doing? (laughs) I should inform the audience that I keep on breaking it to the person before I hit record at the last minute that they have to pretend to be on a phone call with me. And it always it always becomes this awkward thing where, what? <laughs> Do people not talk on the phone any, anymore the same way they used to? No, nobody does. Fuck, I'm an old man. Yeah, <laughs> you are old. <laughs> How old are you again? Uh, I am 37 as of the taping of this. Oh, that's like 60 in Canadian years. I know, man. We're like dogs up here because our lifespan is different than human life. Oh, I thought you meant, like, you're lazy and you eat a lot. Yeah, that too. And we're always fucking, yeah! Anyway, man, how's it going, dude? How you been? <laughs> I'm pretty good. Busy, but good. Good, man. So we haven't, uh, when's the last time we talked? It was, it was me, you... Oh, it was me, you, and Marco, which means that would have been, I feel like that was, like, one of the Christmas episodes, like, season four, maybe? Nah, it couldn't have been that long. Wait, maybe it was. Shit, I don't know. Anyway, the point is this. <laughs> I'm here right now with Lucas, a.k.a. Robots with Ray Guns. I'm looking back at the early years and the people who I, I chatted with. I feel like you were the last one before I changed formats. Yeah, I think that's correct. I mean, the show is still sort of morphing and it's a very silly thing, but it, there are these sort of moments where the show goes through little changes. And so you were the last one where I didn't used to play background music. I didn't used to play the whole songs. I used to just play like two minute little oh, right, right, right. samples in between the, the chatting and so you were the last one of that before i made the uh, format switch how many seasons are you on now this is season seven. Oh, then i guess it has been a while but the point is uh are you having a good day yeah i'm having a pretty good day just getting a lot of stuff done good so when you say getting a lot of stuff done what are you talking about well i'm actually finishing up the next album this is the last month of just kind of finishing it up today i've just been kind of putting final touches on stuff doing the last bit of collaborations between some other artists before i kind of wrap it up i remember last time i talked to you you were using a music program that i don't think anyone else was using that was at sony what the hell was it acid do you still do that yeah i still use acid (laughs) what's cool man I mean, like, that's what it takes to achieve that robots with ray gun sound. Yeah, I don't really know, because I've never really experimented a lot with other um, digital audio workstations before. I've messed around with Fruity Loops before, but not very much. I guess it's called FL Studio now. I, I haven't really played around with a lot of stuff. I don't know how much it really translates what program you're using, but... I think maybe it does have something to do with how it sounds, but I just like it because it's it's very visual and drag and drop, and it kind of doesn't really do anything for you, so I like the freedom that it gives me. How does that work then for sounds? Like, can you actually get new sound banks in there and stuff, or do you are you always just sort of creating your own? Yeah, I basically just use the VSTs for the software synths. Pretty much everything I'm using is software, so all the synths I have are software, and 
it just plugs in right to the the acid just kind of basic mini controls and everything like that because i've never actually looked at what acid looks like and since everyone i know either uses ableton logic fl studio like those seem to be the the big three that people use Mm -hmm. so i always just assume that acid is this crazy like antiquated thing like you're making music on a touchtone phone or something but uh you can still bring in new vsts to it and stuff right oh yeah absolutely and the version i'm using is is pretty old it's it's on like i don't know nine or ten now but i'm still using six. Oh, so they still make this program i think so i don't even know <laughs> i think somebody else bought it out though Right. Anyway, look, the point is, we don't need to harp on this too much. I just like bringing it up because it's funny, because I think you're the only person I know that uses it. Maybe. Oh, how about this? Here's what I want to do. I want to listen to a song, and then we'll keep chatting, and we'll we'll do a little uh, See Where You Been segment. I don't have a jingle for it, but I can make one up. Like right now you're going to make it up, or later? Well, I'll do it, I'll do it <laughs> after the song. So we're going <laughs> to... We're going to listen to this track. Uh, This one's called Excess by Robots with Ray Guns.
And that was Robots with Ray Guns with the track Excess. And I am here with Lucas. What's up? Right? Yep. I'm still here. So <laughs> You haven't hung up on me? I mean, I get distracted easily, but I'm working really hard not to. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you think, because I'm thinking back to the early years of the synthwave scene, you know, as it existed, and obviously it sort of morphed over time and, and a lot more artists sort of came in, and you always had sort of a signature kind of sound, so there was still this sort of connection to the synthwave stuff, but you're definitely doing your own thing, and when I listen to you, I'm like, okay, that's robots with ray guns, like, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. Like, have you seen any sort of, like, changes within the scene or whatever? Or, like, have you been paying attention? To be honest, I haven't really been paying attention very much. I still communicate with people in the scene and work with people like that. But I haven't really paid attention. I haven't really looked at the chat rooms or anything. Blogs aren't really a thing anymore. And that's what really kept me connected back when I started out 10 years ago. And without blogs, it's kind of relocated to like Facebook groups and stuff like that, which I just don't really do very well. So I've just been kind of keeping in my own bubble. I think a lot of my interaction with other artists and things like that have been more in kind of like the pop music field and and other areas. So I'm not really sure what's going on in that scene. I'll I'll get some new tracks and albums here and there, but for the most part, not really. So where do you pull like your inspiration from? I'm really inspired by street culture, breakbeats. I'm really inspired by marketing because of that kind of glossy look to marketing, but I like to think of it very cynically. That kind of translates into my music in a weird way. Early on when I listened to your music, and I remember when I first uh, uh, contacted you, was that you you definitely had like a very defined, I mean, like the artists you had doing the, the cover art and stuff like that. Like there was always this idea that like robots with ray guns felt bigger to me when I would see your stuff get posted or whatever. I'm like, oh, like this guy's got his shit together. Like it always seemed like the artwork and the marketing and stuff like this. So I know that's always something that you've been conscious of. Whereas like other artists I would see sort of pop up and it felt a little bit, little sloppy, you know? Yeah, I really like that kind of over the top polished look, but where you kind of just don't take it too seriously. So I'm inspired by like black comedy, like a lot of black comedy films that I love, um, like Jawbreaker, Heathers, ones like those where it's like you see all these kind of bright colors and everything's very pop art, but it's also laughing at itself and kind of dark and twisted. So I like, for instance, some of the, my tracks, the beats and the melodies are very pop and very catchy, but I like to use vocals that are kind of depressing and and just kind of don't go with that and juxtapose really sad lyrics with really catchy, upbeat melodies. And it gives it this kind of weird, awkward vibe to it that I kind of like. I like making people a little uncomfortable and doing things a little differently than people have heard before. I was just thinking in my head if there's other artists who sort of do any of that kind of breakbeat type stuff that I normally play on the show, and I don't think there is. I think you're sort of in the in this funny category. Yeah, I think it's funny that Synthwave has kind of become something pretty different than when it started back when, you know, it was just kind of me and just a handful of other artists starting out. I think it's interesting that, I mean, I'm not really considered Synthwave by a lot of people anymore or even ever because my stuff is very pop oriented. I've always had that structure to my music. And I think it's funny when people say like, oh, you know, Robots with Ring Guns isn't Synthwave anymore you know, he's sold out or something like that. Like every now and then I'll see a comment on social media or something where they'll say that. And I think it's funny because I've always been more pop centered and Synthwave started out that way. Everyone sort of has this kind of slightly different perspective on Synthwave. And like for me, 
I've always used it as like this blanket term to describe a whole bunch of different genres of music. But I've always liked it, the term better to describe the whole scene in general because then it's it's a more welcoming sort of term for me. But then I'm not one of those like negative idiots who goes online to bitch about Perturbator because he's popular. So like that's never been my <laughs> my MO. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely it's it's an umbrella term and it's definitely not a genre, at least not anymore. There's just so much that kind of goes under it so many different channels but at the same time there's less diversity in the actual sound uh, which I find interesting that a lot of people aren't taking that and kind of running with it and doing their own signature thing so then you get a lot of people where it's like I don't know who like if I just heard it I couldn't tell you if it's one producer or the other because they end up kind of sounding all the same and whenever I do think okay let me check out one of these Facebook groups for Synthwave. I see a lot of posts where people are like, uh, how do I recreate this? Uh, here's my track. What do you guys think of it? And a lot of it's kind of the same. Like I wouldn't be able to tell it apart from all the others because that's what they're kind of going for. And I think when you're starting out, that's good. But once you kind of take that, I'm surprised that people are kind of staying with that and not really changing it up more. Because I feel like when you want to create and you're driven to, then you're always going to be driven to try new things and experiment and stuff like that. There's a lot of electronic genres, I think, like that, where there is just a math to it. Like, it doesn't mean you can't make a cool song, because there is sort of like a structure. It's like dance music, right? It's like, you know, you, you use this BPM, and this, 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 and then here's the drop, and here's the this and that. So you, you could have a mathematician's brain and produce like a really cool song, but then that's where you would always stay, because it's more about the structure. And I think like when you're like an artist, you know, you're always going to find ways to bring other things in and sort of morph around because that's what keeps the juice going. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's kind of always been my mentality. I'm, I'm self-taught pretty much completely. I don't honestly really know anything about music theory or any of the technical aspects of music or the, the science of it and the math and the patterns as much. So everything I do is pretty intuitive where I just kind of use my ear as to what what sounds good to me and and what sounds interesting. So a lot of times I'll I'll take structures and I'll take that skeleton of say a house track or a pop track, but I always like to kind of mix it up and throw in something from somewhere else that doesn't normally fit, but I feel like I can put this in there and it would sound different and interesting, but it doesn't take away from that anymore. It, it just adds something kind of peculiar. Mm. And so a lot of my tracks, it's hard to define the genre or the style because I'll have songs that mix, you know, those break beats with, you know, house elements and hip hop and trip hop and sometimes even reggae and industrial. Um, I'm very inspired by different genres that people tend to be surprised by that I listen to and that influence my sound like industrial and folk music and 90s trip hop and things like that. So it's not as centered around a period or, or a nostalgic era as much as just the sounds that I, I tend to gravitate toward mm. and those styles happen to be very retro but there's all kinds of elements in there that are from different time periods, different styles, different artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well look, how about this? I think we should listen to to another track. Let's do it. All right, man. Well, this is Summer Dreams by Robots with Ray Guns featuring Keith Masters.
city EQ wave crash in the background Like I'm living in a tape deck Tape deck, aux plug You ain't heard nothing yet Shades down, watch me move You feel it too, undeniable Ooh. I got my hand in the game like a power glove They feel the magic as I'm step in the club What can I start to begin? There's enough electro to make your hair stand on end uh, Static, the attraction's automatic yep. Young pretty fly, she's gotta have it So tell a friend to tell a friend and bring a both in yeah. After the show, we can really get it in Youngin', uh, milk too Word to your mother, I'm too cold I need a summer R-W-R, make the beat slap We in L.A., what a freak's at iPads on tour, we don't need a mat I need, I, I, I need summer R-W-R, make the beat slap We in Miami, what a beat jack iPads on tour, we don't need a map I need, I, I, I need some R-W-R, make the beat slap We in New York, where the streets at iPads on tour, we don't need a map I need, I, I, I need some R-W-R, make the beat slap We in Shot Town, where my peeps at This is my city, we don't need a map I need, I, I need some This is my year and my future, right? My necklace reflecting the starlight And I'm starlight, only seen at night Swag on a hundred mil, so starlight My fashion, so blatant I don't need words to make a statement I'm already adjacent to greatness We presidential, just like the face went Ow! R-W-R, make the beat slap We in L.A., what a free set iPads on tour, we don't need a map I need, I, I, I need Summer, R-W-R, make the beat slap We in Miami, where the beach at iPads on tour, we don't need a map I need, I, I, I need Summer, R-W-R, make the beat slap We in New York, where the streets at iPads on tour, we don't need a map I need, I, I, I need R-W-R, make the beat slap We in shot down, where my peeps at This is my city, we don't need a map I need, I, I, I need Summer Sunglasses on, you know what I mean? Roll, 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 roll your blazer up. Put your, put your hot top Reeboks on, you know what I mean? Get your tube socks on. Headbands. Wonder years, you dig? All that good shit, man. We going worldwide, man. This electromagic, man. You heard? And that was Robots with Ray Guns with the track Summer Dreams featuring Keith Masters. And I'm here with Robots with Ray Guns right now, Lucas. And we're just uh, 
talking about sounds. That's a, <laughs> That shows how well I pay attention. <laughs> We're talking about sounds. I heard the word industrial and folk and thought it would be funny if there was a genre called industrial folk music. Oh, I mean, I, I'm down to create that. I made a joke on Twitter that I was inspired by Diplo and his whole like Madonna 2000-esque cowboy hat looking vibe and him making some country songs and i was like you know what next album i'll make a country album and i was just kind of joking around but at the same time like okay like why not mess with the different genres and make an electro country album and i just kind of tagged people that i thought would be down to do it or be kind of perfect and random for it and uh, Tyler from The Midnight, he was like, I'm down. So maybe we'll do that. Well, yeah, because he makes folk music, right? So like, yeah, that would be a good fit. That's why I picked him. How do you think over the past few years, because you've been making music for a while, but uh, how, how do you think you've changed Like as the years have gone on? Did you get a mustache? <laughs> no, I can't grow a mustache. <laughs> I don't think I can. I, I can't get through that phase where it's awkward. I just get rid of it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. It's a weird perspective to have for yourself because I think you don't really know how much you've changed. But I think artistically, I've been taking more risks and doing new different things that I wouldn't have done before. This new album is going to be crazy and weird and trippy and kind of all over the place and a little darker and more cynical. It's like I evolve more towards when I was younger, when I was an artist as as a, a young kid, because I think that when you grow up, you kind of put these inhibitions in place based on what other people are telling you that you should do or shouldn't do. And I think now that I'm getting older and growing and evolving my sound more and my my artistry and doing more art things that I used to do when I was little, I'm kind of like, you know what? I want to go back to that kind of freedom and not worrying about, you know, what people think of the music or how it's going to do charts or or streaming or things like that. So I think that in my growth, I've kind of become more like a kid. So you're going to be writing a bunch of songs about like Lego and bubbles and things? I'm probably going to be more offensive, actually. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was I was pretty in your face and kind of offensive. Um, I remember I, I went to art school and I, I found it strange that even at art school, I felt like they were pretty square. Mm -hmm. Like my art teachers would be like, oh, and maybe that'll make people uncomfortable or something. And, and the more they would say that, then the more uh, I would want to do it. I only had like a few good teachers that really kind of let you explore that. So I was more trying to offend people than anything. Thankfully, in 2019, no one gets in trouble for being offensive. So it's a good time to start <laughs> being more offensive with your work. Yeah, and I was starting to tone down a little bit and just kind of rethink everything. And then I was like, you know what? No, fuck that. I'm going to push back a little bit more. So this new album is just going to be really different and just kind of making people uncomfortable using sounds and genres together that people aren't used to hearing it's like a catchy pop album that's also uncomfortable yeah so what when's that coming out man september 13th if all goes well i can hardly even plan like what's happening for my week well i have to set a release date at some point during the process before it's even finished otherwise when i'm on a project and i don't kind of set that i'll just keep going and before i know it i just have all this content and I'll change my mind and I'll it'll turn into something else or I'll, it'll split off into other projects and it just goes on and on and on so I have to kind of set myself that release date to be like okay you gotta wrap that shit up yeah 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 <laughs> you can't just keep playing around with it because I'll just keep going and it's a it's a Friday the 13th so I thought it was perfect <laughs> 
So what else? Uh, what else has gone on? Like, have you done anything cool? Did you get married or anything? I don't know what's been going on with people. I don't think I feel like because I haven't talked to you in like three years. I don't know what's what's been happening. No, my life is pretty boring. But uh, I've been just doing more painting and you know digital art and new music projects. Carl Gershon, who I did Memories with and the Need You Tonight cover, we've been working on stuff. Uh, we're going to produce a whole EP together. I've been working on producing for some other artists, some pop artists, and doing some remixes that are going to drop throughout the year, just kind of releasing a lot of stuff this year. Well, that's, that's exciting. We get to hear some more music. That's cool. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be a huge album. And there's a few singles that are going to precede it, which don't necessarily coincide with that album just random singles yeah just because i have so much stuff that i've been working on well that's awesome man well how about this let's uh because you just talked about it so how about we listen to the track memories and then uh and then we'll keep talking so this is memories by robots with ray guns featuring carl gershon
with Ray Guns with the track Memories featuring Carl Gershon and that's a cool track and I am here with Robots with Ray Guns right now Mr. Lucas so uh, tell me something cool that's happened to you in the past three years that's not music related or yeah 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 come on you must have done something cool it's not Robots with Ray Guns related (laughs) no that's just that's my whole life that's everything. I mean, uh, having myself pressed to vinyl is pretty cool. I've been waiting on that for a long time. Which ones did you vinylize? Wild Style. So I think, I don't know if that's sold out yet. I know they did mini disc and that sold out. It was funny because we announced the vinyl and somebody was like, oh, are you going to put on mini disc? And I'm thinking, look at this goofball asking for mini disc. <laughs> and then the record label contacts me and goes, what do you think about putting it out on mini disc? And I was like, fuck no like that's one dude on social media saying he wants mini disc nobody gets mini disc that's not even a thing anymore is it and they're like no like mini disc sells out every time we do it i was like oh okay if it sells do some mini discs and so they did and it sold out <laughs> i just love the way you worded it. just like look at this goofball want mini discs <laughs> it's just like, yeah i didn't know anybody listen i don't even know if they're listening to it on mini disc or they just think it's a cool collector's item uh sonny said that they bought they got two copies of the vinyl and two copies of the mini disc because he's like, oh, I buy two of everything you get. And I was like, oh, shit. So I'm imagining like people that don't even have turntables or mini disc players just well, I guess you can play a mini disc on like a regular CD player, can't you? I don't know. I don't think I've ever even played a damn mini disc. I think I, I had a program one time that needed to be installed that was on like a smaller disc. I thought mini discs were different. Like I thought the the encoding in them was different. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I don't remember because I remember when mini disc came out and it was like dead on arrival. Everybody was like, <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool for a minute, like maybe a year. And it just never took off. But apparently... I hear that they're still big in Japan. Everything's still big in Japan. Wait, mini discs, are those the ones where it's like, it's the disc, but it's inside a little square? Like, and you sort of load it in like a cartridge, or is it literally just a CD that's like half size? It's a smaller CD. Oh, like fucking GameCube games. Yeah. 
See, my brother used to have this machine, but it was like, I feel like it was little discs, but they were in like little cartridges. And then some guy broke into his apartment and stole it. So that, that was the end of that phase. I think you do need a mini disc player. Like a lot of these players and everything are super cheap for people to get. So maybe that's why they're making a resurgence is that you can just go anywhere and get it for a fraction of the cost that it was back when it first came out. It's fun and nostalgic and also cheap to do. So it's not like a, a nostalgia that's like costs a lot of money, like getting giant boom boxes and stuff. But CD players, MP3 players, all those are really cheap now. Yeah, they're just laying on the street. Pretty much. Well, I got my turntable from like Goodwill for 20 bucks and uh, got dual cassette decks and everything was working fine. But of course, before I got my copy of the Wild Style vinyl, I think the belt or something got loose and now I have to get a new one just to even play my own record. <laughs> I'm assuming other people's are, I'm, I'm assuming that the vinyls are fine because nobody's complained about it, but I wouldn't actually know. I'm sure everything is, is, is fine. I'm sure those mini discs are, uh, rocking. Oh, they're probably sitting on people's shelves. <laughs> well, look, dude, listen, it was nice to catch up with you. Obviously we got a nice year to look forward to of like more, uh, new robots with ray guns coming out. So that's cool. Yeah, definitely. Always love talking to you, Andy. Yeah, man, it's it's been a while. Well, maybe we'll uh, we'll do a proper episode when you uh, when you put out your album and stuff. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I've been out of touch with a lot. That's part of what this show is about. This show has got lots of themes going on, but some of them are just talking to people who I haven't talked to in a while, and it's nice to it's nice to catch up. And it's nice when there's still uh, some people. You know, some people don't make music anymore since I chatted with them, and some people are still kicking around making stuff. Next time I'll give you some tracks to premiere yeah man some exclusive shit yeah that's uh they don't call me P- premier jackson for nothing they call me that because i'm always premiering songs has anybody called you that or no <laughs> you just call yourself <laughs> yeah, that yeah. i just I call think. myself it sounds cool yeah well people have google now they can fact check uh yeah, hey man it's all fake news buddy <laughs> but uh look you have a lovely day keep cool i know it's hot where you live and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon it was nice catching up with you yeah for sure have a good one all right, and that was my conversation with Robots with Ray Guns. And that was uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. Well, there's Johnny Five, Emilio Astavez, Pattern Shift, and Kempson. And uh, Pattern Shift has just sent me some downloads here for an upcoming album, so I'm going to check those out. Maybe we'll play one on the show. I haven't had a chance to listen yet, but I'm going to listen soon. And um, that's my story about that. So how about this? Let's listen to some music, and then we'll uh, make another call. So here's a cool one from Alphabot. Uh, This one's called The Program. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club, Martin Larby and Gregorio Franco. You guys are pretty cool. Now let's listen to this. This is Alphabot with The Program. This is a computer system that might be smarter than a human. Right now, we're inside a computer program.
And that was The Program by Alphabot. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Oh, the last guy in the $25 club. There's Blake Peterson. Hey, man, you're cool. And with the 2049, it's Ashley Keegan. So... Let's get right to it. Let's make another call. I haven't talked to Grooveworthy in over six years, so let's give him a call. Oh, hi. This is John speaking. Oh, hey, John. How's it going? Oh, oh, just great. Just in, enjoying a, a relaxing evening at home. Well, that's awesome, man. So look, let's get everyone up to speed here. You are... Grooveworthy, and I have not spoken to you in six years. Six years? Mm-hmm. Wow, that long. Yeah, technically. I mean, I know we've, uh, I think I've sent you messages a few times or whatever, but we haven't spoken like this uh, since you were, shit, what episode were you? Like number seven? Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, six years ago. That's crazy. I can't believe I've I've been in the music scene for six years, but it's been like ten, really. Well, how about this? Let's fucking get up to speed here. Okay. Because it's been many years, so I'll tell the audience, just in case they haven't listened back to the old days of Beyond Synth, that you made uh, music as Grooveworthy, and you were also the instrumental architect in the, I'm going to say ahead of its time, Synthwave parody albums. What the fuck were they called? The Miami Dream Night Drive Night compilations yeah those <laughs> some something along those lines so that was also a really fun thing because that project got me off my ass and i wrote titty night <laughs> time or whatever the fuck that song was <laughs> yeah miami titty nights or whatever well how about this explain who you are yeah i guess uh i'm grooveworthy i used to be a lot more active in the music scene but uh I've definitely slowed down a lot because you know sometimes it just happens but it was a lot of fun especially in the beginning especially when the community was really small back then none of us really making any money or anything but it was just kind of like a it was just like one little family back in the early days in the heyday of that that's kind of when we did the whole miami dream night drive night thing obviously a lot of the the things in the synthwave scene there are certain cliches and they're, they're tropes yeah and what's funny is when you're putting together these uh i guess curating these uh, <laughs> these parody albums it was really early like wasn't it, it was like 2014 or something you know what i mean like it was as soon as <laughs> it was it, it's it's funny to me now because this seems like something that should exist now right at a time that there is so many synthwave artists and these cliches are so overdone that it makes sense to parody it now but the fact that it, uh, it was being parodied like when the synthwave scene was so young uh, you could say it was uh, was like ahead of its time well I suppose it was still relatively young but I don't think it was necessarily young to us it already expanded to the point where we were starting to see all these patterns started to kind of repeat themselves over and over again and I started to realize hey wait a minute why does everybody's album cover have a triangle in it and stuff like that you know yeah um, and then I and then I started to realize wait a minute my early album covers were literally chrome text and pink laser grids like that's yeah. like I realized <laughs> wow this is the not a original in any way at all and that's kind of when i started to realize that there's a lot of stuff that was just kind of getting repeated and a lot of cliches starting to form but there were like cliches to us which was in this really like weird niche world yeah i guess that's the thing it was like the ultimate inside joke mm -hmm. yeah and it's kind of funny one of the things that happened is um miami nights 1984 the miami nights 1984 he actually got 
really mad at me at one point about the whole thing. <laughs> Did you hear about this? No. No. Okay, so, which was strange to me because he was on one of our volumes at one point. He was on, like, volume one or two. So that's why I thought it was really strange because I had to, I had to go back and double check. Because, like, wait, like, you're in on the joke. Like, how come you're getting mad about it now? This is at, like, probably at about, like, volume four or so. <laughs> There's four? I think so, yeah. There's four, possibly even five. None of them are worth listening to, though, so... um, (laughs) Because I think I I did two songs, right? So I did Titty Nights and Doc Brown Sights or something. I forget what it was actually called. And then uh, Neon Nightman was for one of them. And then... But what I loved was that all the artists who contributed parody songs, they sort of parodied themselves, and then they had, like, these joke artist names that were... I still, to this day, laugh my ass off at Foreign Blade. Oh, Home Knife? Home Knife. Yeah. <laughs> still, I, that is still funny to me, man. <laughs> Fucking Home Knife. No, I really I, I really enjoyed that a lot as well. Fucking Home Knife. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, so Miami Knights, he messaged me, and he thought that we were doing this whole thing to rip on him. Oh. And then I actually I went and I looked at it, and I looked at all the song titles and stuff like that, and I realized how many of them featured the word Miami or Knights or some, you know, 1980X number in them. Right. And then I, I kind of had to explain it to him. I'm like, look, if anyone tried to call themselves Miami Knights 1984 now, it would sound really cliche. But back when he did it, this whole scene wasn't really a thing yet. He wasn't like just another guy using 80s themes in the 80s music scene. He was a guy using 80s themes back then, which was like the greater electro house scene. So he had kind of differentiated himself from that before a synthwave really kind of picked up as a genre. So back then when he did it, it was original. But if someone tried to do that now, it wouldn't be. And I was trying to explain that to him. And I think he kind of got it. But also at the same time, like what we're doing was our homage to the thing that we love. Like none of us hate synthwave. None of us are like, yeah, screw Miami Nights 1984. Like none of us were like that at all, right? That's our kind of like love letter to be able to laugh at ourselves and the and the scene in general. Because I've thought about this a lot, especially in terms of Miami Nights. Like I don't think he's going to make music ever again, or at least not Miami Nights stuff. Right. And I think part of the reason is, and I sort of feel like he's in sort of this strange place where he is one of the early guys who actually was making synthwave. Yeah. Maybe they weren't calling it that when they were making it, but that's what they were doing. And then his sound is what became the stereotypical synthwave sound that artists now will come in and do. Yes. Yeah, the cliches got built up around him, but like... It wasn't cliche at the time. Yeah, and so I, I, I see that he has such a he has got a difficult task. Is like, is if he wants to make new music, it has to be different. Yes. But then if it's too different, then people will complain because it doesn't sound like Miami Nights. But then if he does his same old sound, then it might to your ears now just sound like, oh, this is just like the, all the synthwave stuff I hear. And it's such a weird place to be in because a lot of the stuff that he did are these classic synthwave songs. You yeah. know what I mean? And so it's weird. I like I, I see that he's in sort of a difficult place, but nowadays he just kind of makes like silly videos with his buddies on YouTube and stuff. I don't know that he's too uh, <laughs> he's too interested in making uh, synthwave. Yeah, right I, I haven't talked 
to him. A, I haven't talked to him a lot since then, to be honest. Um, but look, I want to uh, I want to listen to some music now. So we're going to go back in time here. Okay. And we are going to listen to Grooveworthy and get people up to speed if they're like, hey man, who's Grooveworthy? And so we're going to play a classic Grooveworthy track. This, of course, is Panther Force 5 by Grooveworthy.
And that was Panther Force 5 by Grooveworthy. And I'm here with Grooveworthy right now, catching up after six years. That was some old Grooveworthy right there. Mm-hmm. I love any song that does that fucking <laughs> the Panther noise. Yeah, that was a really big song for me. Actually, that's probably still the biggest song for me uh, in terms of being Grooveworthy, really. When I first made that song, before I posted it, my SoundCloud following was 167. And I posted it over the Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. And by the end of the weekend, I think it had jumped to like 580. So right there, that told me a lot. After that, like new retro wave got a hold of me about it and stuff like that. He got me on one of the compilations, posted it to the channel. It's got like a few hundred thousand views or something like that on his channel, which is a lot more than anything on my SoundCloud. So yeah, that's a that was a big song for me. And it's still to this day getting me traction, which is cool. So let's get up to speed here for like the, all these years. I haven't really uh, uh, talked to you that much. So like, what have you been doing? Not a whole lot musically. I haven't really released a lot of music in the past two years or so. And I'm not sure why. I don't know. Sometimes inspiration just comes and goes. I want to make music again, but it's just right now hard to find the time to do it. But uh, I don't know. I'm spending a lot of time lately just working and being very tired a lot. (laughs) I'm going out to lots of shows and stuff and lots of raves and things. And the scene here in Edmonton is actually really healthy and really active. So that's actually been occupying a lot of my time, too. Wait, wait, raves? Are you a are you a raver? I like to party. I like to go out. I guess you call them raves. It's just like, what else do you call them? There's DJs and there's music and there's a whole bunch of people and drinks and stuff. What else do you call that? Molly? Is that a thing that people do? The, the, the kids. Okay, is is Molly ecstasy or is it this? Is it a different thing? It's just a word for MDMA, which is part of ecstasy. Ecstasy is basically just like any kind of like weird mixed bag pressed pill they're usually pretty sketchy. MDMA is, that's one chemical that is a component of ecstasy. I did E when I was in high school a few times. Yeah. I haven't done drugs in a very long time. And so whenever I hear all these words, I'm like, are these new things? Or are these just <laughs> fancy words that the kids use to describe the same old shit? It's kind of both. Yeah. People think it's new, but it's really not. You know, it's just like there's people in their 40s that are just been like, yeah, like I was doing that in high school. The kids just have dumb names for it now. Yeah, that's the that's the boat I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be 40s soon enough, and then I'll be that guy. Wait, so last time I talked to you, I feel like were you doing the LARPing? Yeah, I was. Is that over? It's not over. It's just kind of on hiatus. I still have all my stuff. I still have all my costumes packed, ready to go, just in case I ever get a free weekend where I can, you know, just screw off and live in a fantasy world for 48 hours. Just the raving's more fun, or is it? It's a different kind of fun. It takes a lot less planning, that's for sure. <laughs> I've kind of slowed that down and just kind of been doing more like tabletop roleplay these days. That's that's good. And it's, it's, it's easier to get people together to do as well. Yeah, I guess it's a little less physically intensive too, right? Well, I mean, I actually like that part of it, but also same time you're like it's there's a difference between trying to get everybody to you know get a whole weekend away and like you know eschew all the responsibilities or just hang out on a sunday evening at someone's house during like the the live action role playing stuff like are any are like are people banging and stuff yeah it happens and then like the whole community talks about it (laughs) (laughs) amazing yeah it happens there's also like role play mechanic methods to to simulate banging 
without actually doing it in case two characters are in love but they actually have like spouses in real life you know there's also stuff for that and then sometimes those lines get blurred and then suddenly you have a whole bunch of sexy scandalous nerd drama (laughs) and uh (laughs) never get tired of hearing about that Well, look, I want to listen to another song, and then we'll keep talking. So this was one, I think, from 2015, which would have been a few years after I talked to you, or maybe maybe it was later than that. This this one's called Suntan Lotion, but it's spelled L apostrophe and then the word ocean. Suntan Le Ocean? Le Ocean. Is that how you say it? That's how I would say it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's listen to this. This is uh, Suntan Le Ocean by Grooveworthy.
And that was Grooveworthy with the track Suntan La Ocean. And I am here right now with Grooveworthy catching up after six years talking about raves and LARPing and LARP sex. So, like, <laughs> so I haven't, you know, I've never really played D&D. Okay. I feel like at some point I need to actually play uh, a proper game of, of D&D. I've got lots of friends with people in the scene that play D&D and stuff, but I've never, uh, I've never actually done it myself. It can be a little bit daunting to get into, actually. A lot of the rule systems and stuff out there can be really dense and a bit intimidating. I know that actually turns a lot of people off when they're like, all right, we're going to play a game. And people are like, great, I love games. And then you slam a 260-page book in front of them and you're like, read this. Yeah. (laughs) So. Well, can you just play where you just fucking make up the rules? Like, is that a thing people do? I do that. I actually made some games of various density. If you're just hanging out with some people and you're just like, you guys want to just like start up a game like right now kind of thing. You know, you could play a game that's like D&D, maybe not quite as as much depth, but you'd still be entertaining for your whole day or whatever. And I wrote one that has like 10 pages of rules instead. And then I just wrote another one that has like three so, like, really, really easy, really simple. Okay, so for a D&D game, though, like, what are the rules? Like, what is a rule in D&D? It's basically, like, a system of, like, how, how like, statistics and stuff like that that your character has to make sure that everything is kind of consistent. Everything is kind of based off of dice rolls, and the result of those rolls determines whether or not your character, like, succeeds or fails at an action, and it has to be consistent to prevent cheating. So in a game of D&D, when there's a book... That's this thick book. I mean, like, what the hell's in that book? A lot of it's just like, okay, your character has, like, this ability. This is a magic spell that your character has. It does this, and it affects this in, like, this much area for this length of time kind of thing. Like, you have a fireball, and it affects, like, one to six creatures for this many turns or something. And then the whole book is like that. The book, for some reason, has, like, 300 different spells that your characters can learn. I don't know why. So if you make, like, a custom sort of small game, like, it's, like, simpler move sets for the characters, where it's just sort of like, you know, he's got, like, two spells, and he's got a sword, and, like, that's pretty much what he does. That's actually exactly how my game works. It's basically like that. (laughs) No, like... You pretty much nailed it. It's like, that's your whole thing. It's like, you've got like maybe a sword and then like a two spells, or maybe you have a sword and shield and like one spell. Like, that's it. That's your whole guy. If I wanted to make a game that people could just jump into easily, I didn't want it to make it any more complicated than like learning how to play a board game. No no one would just like go hang out at someone's place to go play a board game if you, you know, had to read a 260 page book first. I think half the time, like the games I play, I don't even play properly. Yeah. When I'm like playing Monopoly and then like people pull out the pamphlet i'm just like oh wait that's what you're supposed to do if you land on that i'm like really (laughs) so if i if i can't be bothered to read the uh (laughs) half page pamphlet that comes with monopoly i don't know if i could read a fucking D &D tome i mean you don't have to read the whole thing just basically what's applicable to what you're doing if you're playing a fighter you don't have to read the whole wizard chapter see i feel like i would be more interested in that right playing a custom game that's simplified and it's i guess just more about the uh the little adventure that the characters go on you know, I actually um, one point was running a really heavily synthwave-inspired D&D game, which was a really fun way to kind of merge those two hobbies. What was the world? Was it fantasy or was it... Uh... It was that really special kind of like, you know, Saturday morning cartoon fantasy 
where it's like there's wizards, but also spaceships and and like laser swords. <laughs> nice, kind of like how He Man was. Well, look, I want to uh, I want to listen to another song, and then maybe we can wind down here. So this was uh, a cool one called Giza by Grooveworthy, and we're gonna we're gonna listen to that right now.
And that was Giza by Grooveworthy. And I'm here with Grooveworthy right now, catching up. After six years, we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons, making custom games. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much sums this up. So what are you thinking, man? Like, you want to uh, go back and make tunes again, or are you... Uh, you live in the party life right now, chicks? Well, if I am to go start making tunes again, I've kind of been away from the groovy thing for a little while, possibly thinking of starting up under like a different moniker and starting again. What about Black Shell? Oh, Black Shell. Yeah, I don't think that's ever going to not be a thing. That's like whenever I just want to make anything that doesn't really fit into any kind of category. If I would ever want to make some like weird ambient like dungeon music or something, then Black Shell would be a perfect place to put that. I had uh, Ogre on the show uh, a few weeks ago, and he did a dungeon synth album like that was for a D&D game. Oh, okay, I'll have to listen to that. Yeah, he made like a, an album of music for a D&D campaign that they were playing or whatever, and... Uh... And it's cool, man. Like, it's got, like, battle music and stuff. It's like <laughs> yeah, that guy's basically, like, living my, my musical dream because, like, that's the type of stuff that I want to make. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Dungeon Synth is hilarious. I first heard about that, and it was just, like, this article that was just, like, 20 Dungeon Synth playlists on Spotify that you should listen to right now. I'm like, wait a minute. How is this a thing? And how has it gone on long enough for it to have 20 playlists? And I've still never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the just the term dungeon synth. But I know a few people have done my. I think uh, Gregorio Franco. I think he's got a dungeon synth album. Some people, or did he do his side project? Mm. I get confused. There's too many now. Like there's a on the Beyond Synth database on the website. There's over like 850 artists now. Wow, people who I've like featured on the show and stuff like that. And and so I can't keep track of everybody anymore. Uh, my brain isn't good enough. That's really impressive, actually. On the database itself, not everyone is necessarily synth wave like my my policy is sort of shifted that's kind of what this sort of uh, summer celebration series is all about after we hit episode 200 was just about reframing how i feel about the synth wave scene in general so you've you've started to branch beyond synth wave exactly yes you know i've always just loved electronic music and i i dig retro sounds yeah so now i just when i talk about synth wave i'm really just talking about the the scene because there's so many different types of music in it, and it's mostly just about the way people sort of channel their nostalgia through their art, and it sort of takes place under the umbrella of synthwave. And that has to happen. Like, you can't just listen to one kind of music for 10-plus years and have it still be interesting. It has to branch out, and it has to differentiate itself. Yes, no, it does. I, I mean, there are people who get very particular. I've just never been one of those people, and I... and. Uh, I've never wanted to like hoard synthwave for me. Like I like, I want it to get more popular, and I want people to come in and bring different types of sounds to it, and 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 evolve their own sound. I mean, I think that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. I kind of like seeing like in like pop music and stuff like that when you have really synthwavey wavy elements that pop up every now and again in music videos or like someone's baseline or something like that. I I like seeing that happen. Actually, I think it's fun. Some people are like, oh no, like synthwave is selling out. It's like, well, no. The thing that you do is becoming cool. Stop complaining. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I, I, some people, they like when they're part of sort of an exclusive group, and I've never, I've never understood that mentality. Like, I used to experience it when I first sort of got on the internet. I joined, like, a Doctor Who message board. I was always surprised by the people who 
would differentiate themselves among the Doctor Who fans and be like, oh, my favorite story is whatever, the fucking Twin Dilemma, which is like the worst Doctor Who story ever made. Right. But there's always some idiot in there who's going to be like, well, that's my favorite story. And I'm like, dude, we're already Doctor Who fans. Like, we're already <laughs> fucking ostracized losers. You don't need to further differentiate yourself to, like, <laughs> yeah. how unique do you have to be? Like, no one watches this show now. <laughs> like, it was just, but there's people like that, and all, you know, and so I feel like sometimes that mentality finds its way in the synthwave scene where people, like, it's like they're mad when an artist becomes successful. And it's, and it's odd because I, I love, music is so important to me <laughs> like it like it's one of the like it is one of the most important things to me of all the art forms i think music might be the most even though i love movies and tv and stuff right music is just so important and when artists make cool music i want them to be rewarded yes. you know for their talents like it's i want them to get i want everyone to be popular and do the uh, that's why i love the synthwave scene is at this point now where there is artists who can actually do like world tours and stuff i'm like yeah they're not selling out stadiums but they're doing pretty well i mean like you know f M84, the Midnight Perturbator. I mean, like, these people can come to a city and they can sell out, you know, like... Yep, they can sell out clubs, like, anywhere in the world. I think that's amazing. I, I love watching these guys progress. Yeah, I love watching guys like uh, Perturbator and, and, and like, Laserpunk on... X like their exploits on like Instagram and stuff because they're just traveling the world doing this thing that, that they've been doing for years and that's their living now that's their life and it's it's amazing to see and I and I fully support them for doing it yeah no me too man I mean like I, I just want more I'm selfish that way I think that's the thing right. for me with music it's like I just want more and I and uh, the people who are good at making it I want them to to make more and also makes my job easier because like it's it's really easy the easiest part of my doing beyond synth is playing Playing talented artists music because it's a guarantee it's like there's certain artists who they just the second they come up with an album i'm like well i know there's going to be some gold on here and the hardest part is when an artist isn't good and i have to search through their like entire catalog trying to find the gem yeah because that takes time right but like some artists just come out and like you know fucking wave shaper just dropped an album i'm like oh well it's fucking it's all good like that makes my job real easy because <laughs> I, I can just randomly pick a song and just throw it in the show what about number seven yeah <laughs> yeah i just roll yeah. a dice that's that's my D D game <laughs> people send me an album i just fucking roll the dice and all right yeah yeah actually I was, I was actually thinking about what you were saying about like how people get mad about how you know their scene expands and stuff like that and they start to see stuff get popular and they're like well i think i kind of understand part of where that comes from and i think if you've liked something for like a really long time and it's not cool and then all of a sudden like it starts to get cool i think people get they're like well i liked it before it was cool i think that whole kind of mentality is like look like i've been trying to tell you that this stuff was cool for years and like nobody listened and now that the weekend drops a retro sounding track now everybody thinks it's cool i mean i kind of get where that's where those people are coming from yeah. you know <laughs> i think for me, it's just, I want the stuff to seep into popular culture so that I'm not so annoyed when I go outside. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> you know, when you're walking in the mall or you pass a shop or whatever, and they're playing, like, kind of cool electronic music, it just is like, it just makes me happy. Like, I'm just like, well, that's great, because most of the time when I walk past those stores and they're playing, like, Top 40 radio and I get really upset. Yeah. That's the stuff that upsets me, you know, where I want to complain to somebody or, like, write a letter. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> turn this shit off. Actually, one time I was 
walking in a mall and I heard them playing Christine and that made me really happy. That'll be this one little piece of trivia I dropped for people listening to this part of the episode, but uh, people always wonder what happened to episode 23 of Beyond Synth because it's actually missing from the thing and that was the Christine episode. Ooh. She asked me to take it down and I politely obliged. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, it was a fine conversation. I think she's just, this was uh, like a few years ago and I think she just didn't really want any interviews of herself out there anymore and so I... uh, Mm. I said, okay, I'll take it down. So, if anyone's wondering and they want to ask me, like, where's episode 23? That's where it is. Fucking delete it. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. Uh, it's too bad, though. Like, it wasn't, uh, it was a fine, uh, we had fun, you know. Yeah. I mean, this show, I, I don't really, it's not really like a controversial program. It's not like she, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> revealed some dark truths or anything. Yeah. Anyway, the bottom line is, uh, you're a cool guy. Oh, thanks. You're one of the, the earliest guests on Beyond Synth, and uh, it's nice to hear you're still uh, doing well, and you got a fucking pep in your step. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> a pep in my step. But uh, the bottom line is, uh, keep on doing what you're doing. If you make some more tunes, we'll fucking uh, we'll play them on the show, man. People should know. Groove worthy. You know, one of the people back in the days when the scene was small. <laughs> yeah, thank you a lot. It's been really good to talk to you again, Ed. All right, and that was my conver- <laughs> my voice there. All right, all right, that was my conversation with Grooveworthy. Uh, he's always a fun guy to talk to, and uh, nice to catch up. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Well, with the 1985, it's Rachel Buchelman, and with the 1984, it's Murat and Jimpy with the 17. So, how about we go? Back to the answering machine. I think I got one more message here. And uh, and then we'll make another call to Kid Casio. So what do we got? Oh, hey, Andy. How you doing? This is uh, Dennis G. from Night Ride FM. Just wanted to say congratulations on your 200th episode of Beyond Synth. And uh, hopefully you have another 200 more episodes in you. Possibly even more. And uh, that's it. All right, thanks, Dennis. Now, the fun thing about this call from Dennis from Night Riot FM is for some reason he sent me two takes. So let's listen to both of them. So we just heard take one. Now let's listen to take two. Hey, Andy, this is Dennis G from Night Riot FM. Just wanted to give you a quick shout out, say congratulations on your 200th episode of Beyond Synth. Here is to another 200 more, man. Hope you. Do good with that. All right. Stay awesome. All right. So let's vote. Which one do we like better? Do we like take one better or take two better? I'm going to say I like take two better because of the man. Like, it's good. Man. 200 more, man. Anyway, uh, Dennis is from Night Ride FM. You can go check that out. That's another synthwave program. Wait, are you technically competition? What am I doing? It's madness promoting my competition. No, Dennis is a cool guy, and uh, and he's always supported Beyond Synth, and uh, they've got a show called Night Ride FM, and uh, they do interviews and stuff on there as well, and it sounds pretty good if you like that sort of thing. In fact, I was listening to it the other day because I was going to, sometimes, if I'm going to have a guest on the show, if they're being interviewed by another show, I will listen to it sometimes, just in case, because I don't want to repeat things. So if there's a guest on one show that I'm going to have, 
and they talk about some stuff and I, I'll make sure that my interview, like, I'm not going to bring that up unless it's really important. So it's nice to have all these resources around. I'm not going to tell you which one I listened to, though. Ooh, secrets. Andy listened to my show. Which one was it? Which one was it, man? Anyway, thanks, uh, Dennis, for your kind words. Uh, keep up the good work over there at Night Ride FM. So let's listen to another track. And then we will uh, make a little call to Kid Cassio. So here's one from Mariana and Joseph. Or did you say Mariana? Mariana and Joseph. Um, I think she sent me this a while ago. Again, I'm going through my old messages, so I apologize if I respond to people like a year after they message me. <laughs> I told you, man, I need a fucking secretary. I do. But until that day, I, uh, I gotta do it all myself, which means I'm gonna do it very slowly. Anyway, this song is uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $15 club, there's Hampus ML, Ken Jeru, and uh, he's basically there. It's Chatterack. And uh, now listen to this cool track from Mariana and Joseph. This is Run, Haley, Run.
And that was Run, Haley, Run by Mariana and Joseph. I think that's the only track they have up. But, uh, and it's a good track. You should, uh, well, you just did listen to it. <laughs> listen again. <laughs> and uh, that was brought to you by my awesome uh, Patreon supporters. There's Mads, Baron Christensen, Prophet of Jupiter, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Elia Lane. And now, let's give a little call to Kid Cassio. Well, hey, is this Kid Cassio? It is. Hey, man, how's it going? Who's this? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, look, it's Andy. I'm calling from... uh... Andy! Hey, man. How you doing, man? (laughs) I love this enthusiastic thing you're doing. <laughs> the thing is, what I what I'm doing is I'm looking back at sort of the early years of the show. Yeah, I mostly got my guests from within this synthetics community, which was this little community of uh, people making synthwave music, and it was like it was it was small back then. Yeah, and you were the first guest. I talked to where I sort of reached outside of the scene. Oh, so, like, cool. I'd listened to your music and um, I liked it a lot. And so, yours was the first where this was, I think, in season two, where I'd already done a season of the show and I felt a little bit more confident where I could be like, maybe I can reach outside this thing. Cause it was almost like a little circle of friends. Yeah. Were the people that I was talking to, people that I met uh, through Facebook and stuff like this. And so, you were the first one where I sort of did like this cold call, like outside of the, the scene that I was in in order to sort of talk to more people who were doing this type of music that weren't necessarily connected with yeah. with the synthetics and stuff. Oh, I feel super privileged, man. I, I like that. I remember as well, I mean, it's the same, it cuts both ways because actually I, I'm pretty sure that yours was the first, you know, online sort of interview I'd done at that point as well, certainly for the Kid Cassia stuff. So yeah, it was kind of exciting for me as well, man. And I'm always willing to chat to be on synth. It's always fun. Well, I mean, it was cool because like at the time, it's I have sort of this um, this idea when I when I was meeting people through Facebook, there was sort of a different attitude that I would approach these things. And when I saw like your album, there was something to me. It's just like, oh, like this guy's a professional, you know? Like I got to make sure that <laughs> I, I write a proper email or whatever, you know? Like just because <laughs> when I was meeting people through the scene it was almost like I say it's like meeting friends and stuff mm. but then of course once I finally like meet people and start talking with them then it all these sort of pretenses sort of like go away very quickly like once I'm actually in conversation yeah of course man I think whenever you're just chatting to someone who's got the same interests and understands the music there's always going to be a connection there you know and any kind of barriers will fall away you know you know looking back to when I first started doing Kid Cassio it's like you know if there was anyone out there who was interested in the music or talking to me and about what I had to say uh, you know then I'm there I'm there 100% I'll be there on the other end of the line yeah. <laughs> because um, it was just such a privilege to be able to tell people about my music and put it out there and, and it was just a surprise for me when it came back and people were interested I never kind of even thought that would that would happen you know it's a funny time I think with Synthwave picking up since then and stuff it makes me realise that, that it was really the kind of early stages of that and and there was much less people kind of understanding what I was trying to do. So when someone like yourself did come forward and say, hey, I get what you're doing, you know, I, it was just, yeah, really exciting and, and you yeah, know, yeah, made me happy, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think what I've always liked about your stuff is that in the early stages of synthwave becoming like a scene, a lot of the music was always sort of, it had a certain aesthetic to it. Mm-hmm. And what I liked, the synth pop that you write, it really has this sort of genuine feel of like the actual, like the structure of like real pop music. Pop, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was something I always strive to do, really. I mean, the, the synths are, are important to me and I will always, that's my, my instrument and that's what I will always play and everything I make will come out in one form or another as synth pop because that's what I'm interested in but actually the songs are equally as important the kind of structure and I just felt that was missing and actually weirdly I think that's missing even more in 2019 I think that's fallen away even more like the kind of good song structures and key changes and big choruses I mean for some reason now like you look at what's going on not necessarily just in synthwave and stuff but in the charts and things like that yeah there's very few people writing kind of um yeah what i'd call kind of classic structured pop songs i don't know why i always think the pendulum swings you know Mm. and there was certainly a time a few years ago when when the kind of sound was moving back towards that kind of 80s sound and now i feel like it's back to r&b and kind of the hip-hop influence and kind of the r&b influence a lot and stuff and the kind of melody has gone out the window i work you know in a studio now all the time producing other bands and and young artists and stuff and i'm always kind of trying to put my stamp on some of the young artists that come in and try and persuade them to kind of use some of the old analog synths and i'll play them some kind of 80s kind of music and say what do you think of this and what do you think of that? but i'm up against kind of people that a lot of the time write songs on one key I mean one note you know the song will not veer from one note throughout the whole song I'm not even talking about one key I'm talking about one fucking note you know <laughs> like, seriously like you're singing the whole melody on one note and then I'm like well have you thought about like the chorus lifting up to another key and I'll show them what, what I mean on a, on a piano or whatever like how about if you went up to this and it gave the chorus a bit of a lift and and I just get like this kind of look like I'm I'm mad like I'm playing like some kind of music from like a bygone it like I'm playing some like jazz from like the you know from the 1920s or something they're like well, what yeah. no no you just stay on one note man it's easier you know yeah, I love the idea of like have you thought of a different note <laughs> like <laughs> like that's a crazy concept I know it's weird and you hear it more and more like it's this kind of laziness where I don't really get it it's it's kind of happening more and more I, I don't know why maybe it'll swing back the other way yeah I see those parallels though with like cinema as well actually you're super right about film score music because I was talking to a friend of mine about this uh, when you look at like the score of like Star Wars and like Indiana Jones and all the huge melodic scores of music that are kind of themes you know and then now it's just about scraping a kind of piece of rock across a, a bit of metal or something or that that's yeah. that's a score for a film you know like some just kind of sound effects and kind of like weird industrial noises or like there's very little people doing big kind of themes and and scores if that's if that's what you kind of what you meant yeah i mean i also mean sort of the filmmaking itself in a way oh yeah a sunglasses kid just sent me this great video it was like this dude who is dissecting why terminator 2 is such a great film okay and comparing it to like sort of modern blockbusters yeah and just how, like, you know, even blockbuster movies back, you know, like like the 90s is back in the day. But, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. how there's still a lot of thought put into, like, the visual metaphors and stuff in the movie and the repetition of themes and stuff yeah. that, you, that you pick up on a cerebral level. And then when you compare that to the sort of the noise of, like, a Michael Bay movie, yeah. where it's not challenging your whole brain, it's just challenging, yeah. you know, the lizard brain part of you that just likes to see flashing lights and stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
that's exactly the same as music i mean that's exactly what's happened it's like uh, and maybe it's the fault of spotify where everyone has to be captivated immediately and there can be no subtlety you know boom straight to the chorus in the first five seconds all the synth sounds all the sounds all, all the drum sounds are like larger than life there's no subtlety anywhere you know mm-hmm. and the drops are like okay drop down to just the vocal and then a big like drum break or like everything's just so in your face and that's that's modern music production but i can really see that analogy with film actually now you mention it and the kind of big blockbusters and stuff it's just kind of processed kind of to the lowest common denominator just it's this general dumbing down of everything isn't it god i sound such a grumpy old man wow yeah. what has happened to me <laughs> right i want i want to listen to a song though and then we'll keep talking yeah so i'm just gonna pull some random uh, kid casio tracks from from over the years here and uh, and this is a this is a fun one this is one of the early ones this is telephone line cool by kid casio Operator. The party you have dialed is unavailable. Yeah. 
And that was Kid Casio with the track Telephone Line. And I'm here with Kid Casio right now. I did a little episode of The Real Beyond Synth, which is like the talk show one, and I played a bit of Telephone Line in the background <laughs> in one of the sequences. And uh, and that was one of the comments. People said, like, what's that song in the background? Because there's a scene in the kitchen where Magic Sword are, like, going through my fridge. <laughs> and uh, you hear Telephone Line, like, playing on the radio. <laughs> Perfect. I have to dig this out. Is it still around somewhere? Can I see this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be one of the first like two people to actually watch it. I'll send you the. I'll send you the clip. Nobody watches my YouTube channel. It's just there. I thought your YouTube channel looked pretty amazing, man. I've got to say, like the sets and stuff. I was fu- I was fully. Uh, well, like I put a, you know, I put a lot of work into it, but mm. then it's hilarious. Like just I'll spend like months making sure like everything looks right, and then they'll be like two hundred views. Oh, mate, well, welcome to my world. This you're speaking to a man that spent two years animating a video yeah it's tough out there man you've just got a sea of people haven't you You're just all making noise and you've got to kind of stick your head above the parapet somehow and sometimes stuff does get lost out there you know but i hope that you know one day it's all out there someone will find our brilliance one day andy i know i know it yeah. <laughs> we may be long dead but you know oh yeah as long as someone's enjoying it well we enjoy doing it and that's the thing i've come to realize you know i did like like i say going back to the video thing i made this video for a kodo song which was all rotoscope animation and i i mean i literally spent two years doing it and um i got to the end and i kind of put it out there and i thought god imagine if i do only get like you know a few hundred views and it, i don't know what it's on now a few thousand but it's nothing no major sort of thing and i thought wow have i just kind of wasted a huge portion of my life and then i thought no because i did actually enjoy doing it and now i can mm-hmm. say to people i've done rotoscope animation and stuff and you know you do it and it's the same with music you know i'm so particular and such a perfectionist about my music I would spend days crafting like the the drum sounds or the synth sounds and stuff and I think well I haven't really wasted my time if it doesn't get picked up by a massive audience because those days that I spent doing that it's almost like meditation for me I completely zone out it's the only thing that can really help me do that you know mm. I completely zone out I forget what time of day it is a whole day will go by and I go wow you know I've enjoyed that I've been in the studio working on my own stuff and um yeah there's not no, nothing better to do really i just wish i could do it even even spend even more time on it you know there's such huge gaps between my albums there will be another one out soon I, i've i've finished the next album i've had it finished for about six months but it's like i don't know how people do that i literally had this conversation with somebody else because when i have a thing finished right right i have to release it immediately oh, like no, i'm I just... the opposite no i'm like a scared i'm like a parent who's fearing for their child to step out of the house for the first time or something i will hold it back and the the problem with this i i finished it but i need to get it mixed and i'm kind of torn between whether to go to the guy that i use for mixing or now that i'm supposedly a professional producer and mixer and i mix a lot of stuff for other people <laughs> and things i'm thinking i probably should be able to mix my own stuff but isn't but isn't that a rule like isn't that a thing that people say that it's good to get somebody else to mix your stuff exactly you need that other pair of ears just to listen to it and so i've got a wedding to get out of the way first i'm getting married in august so as soon as that nonsense is out the way (laughs) (laughs) i can start spending money on things like kid casio again and i will get the album mixed and it'll be out before the end of the year i guarantee oh congratulations man thanks man yeah it's all very exciting i'm I'm getting married in a couple of months and uh i've got a stag do before then which is all quite scary and i'm gonna be playing i'm gonna do of course i'm gonna do a kid casio little set at the at the wedding so that'd be my first live show i've done in a while i kind of persuaded my girlfriend to let me do a, a little 
live show in the wedding, so that'll be fun. Yeah, I managed to have a pretty cheap wedding. So my my wife is cool enough that we um it, it wasn't about uh, having it in a church and spending lots of money. We just like it still cost a bit of money, but we just rented a tent. Oh wow. Like a big tent in like her grandma's backyard and then uh See, that sounds perfect. I have this thing with weddings. I mean, I'll I'll say some stuff now that might end up being something that you have to do with your wedding, so like <laughs> this is just my personal opinion. Yeah. But you know, like a lot of the uh the procedure that goes on like I've never really been too fond of because I've been to like lots of weddings and yeah. especially when I know the people and I like I know I know people will do like the religious thing because they're like well I'm not doing that I'll just put that out there now okay. <laughs> we didn't want to go down the church thing or anything like that but you know like the, the, often they'll do that with the excuse of like well we're doing it for grandma you know like grandma wants to see yeah. this happen or our parents I'm just like well but yeah but they're not the ones getting married like yeah. it's so weird that you're doing this shit for so we got a tent and I said look my favorite food is burgers oh, so we're gonna have burgers it's like we're like perfect. we're not gonna fucking have like filet mignon three course fucking dish that like <laughs> doesn't relate Do you know to- what you, you've just hit the nail on the head for me for this one because i actually really want <laughs> i wanted at my wedding i wanted a, a like buckets of fried chicken to go around and, and like fucking a van right. serving like kebabs yeah burgers and all this stuff unfortunately <laughs> that idea was vetoed well I think my girlfriend probably would have gone on, gone along with it because that's the kind of food she likes as well. We hate fancy food. I'm not interested in, like you say, like a l- tiny little morsel of food in the middle of a huge plate with some uh, <laughs> truffle oil, you know, over yes. the top. I, I hate that kind of shit. I like proper, you know, like like you say, burgers, fried chicken, all the kind of the, the good shit. But mm. the venue that we'd hired weren't having it. They had a list of caterers that we had to pick from. But I'm yeah. with you, man. I kind of find the whole procedure. And that's why I wanted to inject me into it a bit you know that's why i'm excited that i'm doing this little live show and i've chosen all the music for the uh dancing bit afterwards and yeah because you want to make it yours because people exactly i've been to so many weddings where like i know the people personally and then they're up there like reciting like religious stuff and like it's fine if they're like religious people but then when you know they're not and they're sitting there like saying this stuff just to make grandma happy and it's just like silly fuck you never even talk to your damn grandma like why are you so concerned about making her happy Happy now. I mean, like, you probably yeah. don't even know her name. No, that's ridiculous. I mean, we've got this thing at the moment where we've got to choose, like, a poem or something. And, like, I'm like, do we have to? Like, we don't read poetry together. Yeah. When do we read poetry <laughs> together? Like, when's the last time I've sat and read a poem to you? And she's like, yeah, I guess. And so I'm like, well, maybe we can do lyrics of a song or something like that that means something to us. You know, I think you have to change it up. You're right. It's ridiculous just standing there. And that's the other thing as well. Like, I'm making sure that what I wear... It's still going to be me, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I want to wear like a, le- a cool, like little leather '80s leather tie. A kind of the, the suit I'm wearing, the way it's cut, it's got that kind of '80s feel to it, you know. And roll up the sleeves, man. Oh, of course, mate. The sleeves will be rolled up. I, I the, the, you don't need to, need to ask <laughs> that. Because what we did, we ended up, so we had a tent and we just served burgers and I like McCain Deep and Delicious Cake. I don't know if they have that over there, but it's literally like this cheap cake you can buy in the grocery store. That's exactly what we're having. We're having like cheap chocolate cake. Yeah, man. That's it. We bought a bunch of those and then I had a table that had big bowls of candy. Yes. 
And then we had a TV that had GoldenEye on one TV and Mario Kart on the other TV. And then, and I think we had a little projector with the play. It was the PlayStation 3 at the time. So we had Rock Band. Yeah. yeah so cool. people could play Rock Band over there. And then, and then that was the thing. And then we, we had technically already gotten married officially. Yeah. Because we had, we had gone to City Hall and done that with just like a few little close family members. And so this thing we put on in the summer was like a show. So I just had like uh, one of my good friends from childhood be the, uh, yeah. officiator guy because he, he's not fucking it, it, like it wasn't a legal ceremony we were just doing it for fun you know you've already done that yeah yeah it's just like a fun party it's for all your friends it's to celebrate what you guys have together and it's just a nice day that's the way you should see it you, you had exactly the right idea it's just a fun celebration of your relationship you know and that's that's what it should be all yeah, this- i just feel bad for people when it ends up being like some fucking like thing they go into debt for yeah no, you know what i mean it's like ah, it's crazy but look i want to listen to another song and then yeah. we'll keep talking but i'm but i'm happy for you and uh, and congratulations and all that stuff well we just talked about it earlier so let's listen to the kodo song this is the one you made the the video for with all the rotoscoping and it's a fun track this is the kodo song by kid casio
That was Kid Casio with the Kodo song, and in brackets, A Umbayo, because that's what is said during the chorus. <laughs> and uh, and that's a fun one. See, that's the thing, because I like synth pop a lot, and so uh, and through Synthwave, there's a lot of artists doing synth pop stuff, and, and it's all sort of, they're all tackling sort of different sort of styles in a way. Yeah. You've always had this sort of boldness to go in like these sort of wacky directions. <laughs> I say wacky, but you know, like, like you, you, you are bold. Like, I think I've said this about you before, that you yeah. sort of make these sort of decisions that I know other people might be like hesitant to do and <laughs> yeah. I guess on that one it's kind of like I remember the albeit kind of brief trend in the 80s where kind of world world music was seeping into the mainstream mainly through like Paul Simon and stuff like that but it also there were some bands that kind of did some synth pop mixed with you know South African kind of world music kind of things and, and it's like such a ridiculous juxtaposition because it's like synth pop whose kind of heritage is in kind of German metronomic sort of you know machine music and then this high energy Af- African music you know and blending the two seemed like a really crazy idea but there were some bands that did it in the 80s and some people that kind of played with that and I thought oh that'd be quite a fun thing to do I think you know in some ways kind of like Peter Gabriel I mean even Bucks Fizz did this kind of really I don't know if you know of Bucks Fizz they were like our oh, Eurovision winners in the early 80s but they kind of branched out and hopped on every bandwagon that was going throughout the kind of 80s and they did this song, uh, A New Beginning, it's called, A New Beginning. And I, and you have to check that out because that was my inspiration for, for the Kodo song. And I actually listened to it with the guy that mixed the song beforehand as a kind of reference point for how I wanted it to sound. But it's this kind of really over-the-top, ridiculous production with kind of like a, an African choir, loads of African drumming and massive percussion, and but but everything kind of synthed up and 80 up to the max and you just <laughs> everything's big and overblown. And yeah, it's just the Lion King meets Depeche Mode or something. I don't know. It's just yeah, it kind of just interested me, and that that was kind of how I, how I channeled that into that into that song really. Well, you are you are quite a a student of uh, like eighties and pop stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. whenever I catch your Facebook page, you always seem to be uh, you're you're in on all the Eurovision stuff, and you seem to know quite like I mean, I, I know that you have your head in this that you've yeah, th- this is stuff that sort of you've studied totally. I've always been into Eurovision. It's such an interesting snapshot of what's going on at any current time especially throughout 
you know and and how that's being filtered into different countries cultures and stuff and i always find it yeah i just find it fascinating it kind of embraces the excitement of cheesy pop music if you like which is kind of left out of chart music a lot more recently which has become very sort of serious and everyone's kind of taken themselves very seriously and i just think i like eurovision because it's it's a real emphasis on the song as well actually it's one of those things where it really is all about the song less about the production which i find is it, kind of a lot of the case now, nowadays as well there's always some kind of interesting ones that you can sort of dig out and I, i'll always kind of do like a, a top 10 you know my favorite ones each year and i'll be there voting and watching it and kind of uh <laughs> really getting into it much more than i should actually i wrote a couple of songs on the last album blood red sky and oh god what was the other one i did with ricardo autobahn i can't remember but he 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 represented the uk in eurovision in i think back in 2006 i think and he's a brilliant you know songwriter and it was fun to kind of be able to work with him because he just had that kind of European sensibility about his songwriting and his chord progressions and stuff like that. I could kind of sense that in, in the music. I can't remember what the other song I did with him. My brain's completely gone. Wasn't it um, um, a Letters of Love? No, that was with someone else. I can't remember. Oh, no, that was Fernando Sound. San Fernando. Fernando Sound, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was just Blood Red Sky was the one that I released. I mean, I did a song called um, with his band as well, who are called Spray, who are brilliant. Well, look, man, how about this? Let's listen to one more track, and then we can wind down here. Yeah. This is probably like my favorite one from Sit and Wait, so I've, I, th- I know I've played this on the show before, but mm-hmm. this is the story of Kid Charlemagne by Kid Cassio. Wisdom 
And that was Kid Cassio with the track The Story of Kid Charlemagne. And uh, I really like that song a lot, man. I've, I've listened to that one quite a bit. Oh, nice, man. Yeah, I think kind of a lot of the stuff I've done for the new album is perhaps there's a couple on there that lean more in that direction, actually. There's a, there's a real mix of the new album between kind of high-energy synth-pop, which I've really been getting into, which is kind of like the late 80s kind of Stock Aiken and Waterman sound. And then there's some tracks that are almost kind of like brooding would almost work as rock songs and i've always felt that with kid charlemagne actually the original demo was like almost like an indie band kind of thing i wrote with my friend who's a guitarist and we had like live drums on it and guitar and live bass and it was just basically a kind of rock indie track and then it kind of morphed into that because i really wanted really loved the song and wanted to put it on the album and there's a couple like that on the new album actually which were just written as songs that would work in a kind of regular band setup i like that way of working sometimes because i often think that's how a lot of the artists in the 80s work they were kind of coming from this era when the only kind of way had been a band you know like bass player drummer and they kind of translated that onto synths so the kind of the synth parts you heard were parts that would normally have been played on a bass but just being played with a synth bass sound and the drum patterns you know this what a drummer would normally play a live drummer but we've we've kind of you know translated that to a lindrum or or a dmx drum machine or a 709 or whatever so yeah i kind of like i like that way of working sometimes it's quite interesting way of making synth pop i kind of start with a kind of live band sound and then translate i think about how i would translate that into synth pop well i think that's also like a good way of just writing songs in general is to to know that it works as yeah like if, if you're at home practicing and you don't have all the equipment that is like hey what if i just strum on a guitar or play on a piano it should work yeah exactly and then if it works in that setting and then you take it and then go now let's fucking synth this thing up the wazoo and yeah <laughs> then you know it's good i've never used that expression in my life i just thought up the wazoo i like it let's synth it up the wazoo <laughs> <laughs> well how do you think you've changed since you you started releasing stuff i mean i i work alongside different people every day now i'm running this studio fiction studios in london and every day I'll have different artists coming in and I'll be producing them and it's not just synth pop it's in fact it's much less synth pop than I would like do you just have a bunch of keyboards on the wall just as props a lot of the time yeah I mean I'm sure I've told you this story before but I'm constantly trying to sneak synths into a mix but I think that's kind of taught me that's been a really good experience you know for my production skills as well and actually what I've done for the new album I think the production has gone up like tenfold and I've been kind of playing with some modern production production techniques as well so whereas the last albums 100% sounded like they could have been recorded in like 1984 or whatever there is still a few songs on the new album that sound like that but there's I've definitely bridged 2004 with 2019 a bit more as well tried to do that and played around with some modern production techniques and stuff as well so there's a bit more of a mix I think my songwriting's improved and I've been working with some different collabing with some different people on this album so it's been a really different method of working for me but one that's been yeah really exciting but you're in a you're in a good place you're happy yeah really happy i I mean you know that feeling where you're just itching to kind of get something out there it's like you said earlier where as soon as you made something you want to put it out i i really do and and i think as soon as it is mixed actually i won't sit on it any longer it will be straight out it's just you know 
I was kind of choosing the songs for it and then I had stuff to do on them and then I got really busy with the studio and then so all that's left now it'll be like I don't know a week mixing and then it'll we'll master it in a day the, the problem with one my last albums was I did this thing where I mixed it and then I spent two fucking years making a video for the first single so I then <laughs> sat on it again for another two years so whatever happens when this album is mixed come like September October I'm hoping it'll literally be just a case of I'll, I'll throw together the first video in like a day or something not messing around anymore and just get it out there yeah it'd be fun it'd be it, I, I'm really looking forward to getting this one out there because actually I do occasionally get people come to the studio saying oh I really like your stuff you've done with Kid Casio and I want to I want you to mix it as Kid Casio as opposed to just mix it as a normal producer just put that kind of stamp on it and I think releasing a new album will really help that as well well I look forward to it man cheers man I want to hear the stuff like, like I said like I'm so I'm always so over anxious to release something that I always fuck up like I released the last episode of Real Beyond synth uh with magic sword and um th- one of the effect shots wasn't even completed because like <laughs> i had rendered things so many times that i had done a final render and i'm like okay i'm not gonna watch this whole fucking thing again from start to finish i'm sure it's fine and there was a scene where like the guy opens his cloak and like some cgi tentacles come out of it but they didn't render in that version so like when i went back and looked at it instead <laughs> of tentacles it was just a block that just said mp4 missing <laughs> Where the tentacles were supposed to be. <laughs> Which I kinda like that. <laughs> I like that even better. No, like that is a funny joke because honestly, like the tentacles like aren't great looking anyways. Yeah. Like they're really like I mean I filmed the damn things. Like I didn't do them in CGI. I actually filmed like this toy snake on a green screen. Anyway, whatever. Oh, but wow. I love that joke. I just didn't like it in that context because I had spent so much time making these stupid tentacle animation. <laughs> That I'm like, okay, like, I appreciate that it's really funny to have a joke where something serious happens and then the screen just cuts to red and just says, like, file missing. Like, I I think that's funny. (laughs) I like that, man. That's brilliant. But that joke to me has to be intentional because, like, when I when I watched the file and someone made a little comment, I was just like, oh, I like those MP4 tentacles. I'm like, yeah, man. And then I'm like, and then for some reason, I just went back and watched them like, oh, fuck. (laughs) And I got like, you know, like a few hundred views that I lost because I had to fucking re-upload the damn thing. I know what you mean. I'm a real perfectionist actually and uh, yeah I've had things where I've done a mix I did a mix for a a client that was in the studio a couple of weeks back and um, this there was just this massive cymbal crash and for some reason the fader for that track just shot up and I was listening to it checking it on headphones on the way home and and then in the middle of the track there's just this this huge like just crash enough to like just burst your eardrums I was like ah I was on the train <laughs> and then I emailed the girl and I was like, oh, I'm really sorry about that. Like, I don't know what happened. And she was like, I thought you'd done that on purpose. She's like, it was crazy. Like, I was like, what is he thinking? Like, just putting this like huge, like, gong sound like in the middle that just deafens this guy that would be hilarious though if you just said it like it would be some... hilarious but it kind of embarrassed me to think that she thought well, yes, I thought yeah, that yeah. was okay it was like you with the mp4 you're like what do people think like I, I would do that <laughs> and I, I was the same I had to just do it again I was like this is crazy like, I'm not you know next time you get some like singer songwriter in where it's just a lady and a guitar and then like in the final mix just throwing some orchestra hits yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> just like a fair light orchestra hit just yeah <laughs> Right at the end of the song, though. <laughs> like, you know, like, the typical sort of, like, singer-songwriter, and she, yeah. like, kind of fades out gracefully, and like... And just some and orchestra just, hits with her voice, just going... Like, on a sample. Just in the fade-out at the end. 
just because it would just be so awesome. Mate, I'm always trying to do shit like that. You can you can trust me. You can rely on me to do that. Don't worry. That stuff always <laughs> makes me laugh. I think anytime I, I'm in some sort of serious work situation, like my brain always goes to, what's a stupid joke we could do with this? Just yeah. the idea of... <laughs> of having her go back home and listen to the track that's mixed and it's just this sweet love song and then at the very end just din, din, din. like just it would be so awesome it's the way people approach stuff like that as well and they're so polite and they're kind of right back to you and you go hey it was really great I love what you did but um yeah I just I, w- I wasn't sure about that thing at the end I just feel like maybe I mean I understand like you know if you really like it and stuff but you know I just felt like maybe it didn't fit the vibe of the vibe of the song and mm. people are so polite about it and you're like yeah that's cool don't worry about it I'll take it out <laughs> <laughs> well anyways man look you have a lovely day and thanks for thanks for chatting yeah same to you man it's great to speak to you and uh, and I look forward to hearing some more uh, Kid Casio when it's uh, finally ready for public consumption yes I'll come to you first awesome man well look you have a lovely day and uh, and have fun with your uh, wedding and stuff and I hope that all goes well for you thank you so much man it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you all right, and that was my conversation with Kid Cassio. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed this five-part Beyond Synth Summer Celebration series. I know uh, we weren't always on point for most of it, but uh, it was fun to have a theme uh, running through some shows. And now we are back to regularly scheduled business. So I've got a whole bunch of interviews planned. The first few interviews, actually, are going to be pretty fresh because usually I have, like, months of stuff banked. But in this case, I don't. So I'm going to be recording new interviews in a week. And then next week's show, which is ridiculous, we just got done the the Synthwave celebration. And I I finally decided, here's how I view Synthwave. I view it as a scene, a place where people can congregate to explore their love of nostalgia through music and art. And then next week is a chiptune show. (laughs) Which I feel bad because I've actually been holding on to that interview for a while. And so we're finally going to do another chiptune show because I don't think we've done one uh, this season. And for everybody out there, uh, thank you for listening to Beyond Synth. And I hope you have a lovely week. And I apologize that this episode is late, but um, I'm in a rural area at the moment with terrible internet. And it is really impeding my workflow it turns out i rely on high-speed internet and i didn't realize how much i relied on it until it was gone and there's a moral there somewhere but i don't know what it is so i'll talk to you guys next time on beyond synth the best synth wave chat show there is If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or visit beyondsynth.com and click on support the show. Beyond Synth is made possible by the awesome Patreon supporters. Don't forget to follow Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Live broadcasts can be heard weekly on Twitch at twitch.tv slash beyond underscore synth. Have a lovely week.